Today on Ag News Daily. And that's the power of the Pioneer Network, right? Uh, over 2,000 agencies across the Midwest, and 170 some agronomists across the Midwest. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tech Tuesday here in the Ag News Daily podcast. Lainey Howell joined by Ashton Carr. Ashton, I have been suffering from allergies. It sounds like you're a little stuffed up. Allergens are in the air. Certainly is. And I think mine are getting a little bit worse because we did finally have a storm roll through Lubbock last night. So I credit some of that to that storm. Yes, I would agree that you were probably right, but I don't want to spend too much time chit-chatting today because we had some really big news that I'm sure everybody has heard about already on Twitter or in the news or otherwise. But we saw yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, White House advisor Peter Navarro told Fox News that the trade deal with China is over, citing frustration about the lack of transparency on the coronavirus and also lack of transparency when it comes to actually purchasing agricultural and other goods. Well, we saw the markets react very initially to that. I think around six, seven o'clock last night, I saw on Twitter some guys and gals were tweeting about the reactions. Then we saw Navarro clarifying that he didn't mean the trade deal was over. And we saw the markets again react, but he basically said that his comments were taken, quote, wildly out of context, end quote, uh, while President Trump confirmed in a tweet that the deal with China was fully intact. So we will continue to watch that story, but um, markets finished down on the day. I think some of that tied to the sentiment that there was concern that, you know, what was really going on? Why did this get issued? Was this really taken out of context, etc.? But uh, that definitely had the markets and agriculture excited. No, maybe excited is not the best term. Um, hmm, volatile, I should say, instead of excited. Interesting. So there's just so much confusion, I think, going on right now with COVID-19 and with the dicamba rolling. And now this, it's all just jumbling my brain up really, really bad. But I do have some more um, news from China kind of adding on to what we reported yesterday with meat imports. And so today, China announced that a Brazilian beef exporter and a pork plant in Britain have both voluntarily suspended exports because of coronavirus infections. Now, I don't know if the Brazil plant had an outbreak, but I do know that the Britain pork plant said that Tulip, one of the Pilgrim Pride uh, corporation divisions is Britain's largest pork processor. And they did have a coronavirus outbreak and they voluntarily stopped exports to China. And China has stepped up inspections of meat imports after a cluster of coronavirus infections went into Beijing after it was linked to a wholesale food market. And so Beijing has started testing meat, seafood, and fresh produce with some major Chinese ports opening all meat and seafood containers for coronavirus tests. All right. Well, I can't say I am surprised. I'm guessing that that Brazilian plant had some coronavirus confirmed cases, or I don't know why else China would be hesitant to continue doing business with them. So if I had to speculate, I'd say that would be the case. I definitely think so, too. What else are you following today in the headlines, Delaney? Well, we also got yesterday, of course, the crop 
progress report, we saw corn up 1% in the good to excellent ratings, moving from 71% to 72% across the country. We saw soybeans decline, however, a couple percentage points to now being just 70% good to excellence. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what next week's reports come back as, because as we talked about yesterday on the podcast, a ton of rain, especially across central Iowa. Um, I was just talking to some farmers today in Indiana who said quite the opposite. They said that they've been extremely dry. So I have a hard time believing that we are going to see these conditions continue up next week. Absolutely, Delaney. And you know, I was following along with that as well. And being down here in Texas, I do have to report about our cotton crop. So 96% of the cotton crop is planted and 40% of cotton is in good to excellent shape. So I did have to report that little bit of cotton news. Absolutely, Ashton. Well, in other news, not really anything to do with cotton, but we've got another court case or court ruling, if you will, regarding Roundup. We saw a federal judge has reaffirmed his earlier decision that the state of California cannot require a cancel uh, a cancer warning on glyphosate-based products such as Roundup Ready under its Proposition 65 law. So California has been pushing really heavily to see a cancer warning, you know, the warning can cause cancer label on glyphosate-based products. And we saw that a U.S. district judge released his opinion on Monday saying, quote, providing misleading or false labels to consumers undermines California's interest in accurately informing its citizens of health risks at the expense of plaintiffs' First Amendment rights, end quote. So that is considered a win for U.S. agriculture. I have a hard time believing, however, that the folks pushing this labeling are going to give up quite that easily. Um, Again, I am not a lawyer and do not know 100% what all of the legalities are from here, whether or not they take this to the Supreme Court, they take it to another court, I'm not sure, but I don't think this is the last we will be hearing of that for sure. You know, I was also reading that article or a article, I don't know if it was the same one, but I was reading an article about that as well this morning. And, you know, I just think that labeling is such a big thing within the agriculture industry right now, you know, not just with the cancer label, but with GMOs and all that good stuff. I've, I'm sure that you know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. So I definitely will be continuing to follow up on whether or not they do a label or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the thing is the science behind it is very, I would say divided. Some people think it causes cancer. We've also seen quite a few pieces of research saying that there are no links to carcinogens and Roundup Ready or glyphosate-based products. So it does seem a little misleading when the science is not 100% to put a label on there when we don't know for sure. Absolutely, Delaney. Well, do you have any other news that you're following today? I had just one other quick update here on the CFAP payments. We have now seen about a quarter of those payments distributed. $4 billion is so far what the USDA has paid out. And they've also announced that, this is a little random, but um, potato farmers and National Bison Association were among some groups that filed for appeals on Monday because they were currently not part of the $16 billion package and said that 
the Potato Council said that their industry has faced unprecedented crisis due to the shutdown of food services, which makes sense when you think about going out to eat. You eat probably some sort of potato-based product, whether it's French fries or mashed potatoes or a baked potato. I know I almost always have some sort of potato-based side. Um, And so they said that they've also seen some really aggressive declines in their prices and production because of restaurant shutdowns and said that their growers should also be included as part of that CFAF payment. Bison is the one that really threw me off. And honestly, I didn't realize that bison producers, growers, whatever you want to call them, um, had been uh, negatively impacted by COVID-19. So I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. But when I think about it, I think that bison, I guess, is more of a luxury. Yeah. Luxury meat and exotic, maybe. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't think many people are cooking up bison in their kitchen right now. So doesn't entirely come as a shock to me, but definitely. Suppose, Yeah, I suppose maybe you're right. It is more of something that's unique and maybe people more so tend to get that only if they're going out to eat and it's not a product that they necessarily buy and consume at home. Exactly. Well, Delaney, are you ready to hop into the markets today? Yeah, let's do that, Ashton. And as I mentioned, especially in the corn and soybean markets, they did recover from yesterday, last night's trading sessions overnight after that initial shock came out about the potential of China deal getting wiped out, but still ended down on the day today with the July corn contract ending three and a quarter cent lower to close at 325 flat. The December lost five cents on the day to close at 336 and three quarters. In the soybean pits, the July contract down a penny and a quarter to end at 875 even. The November down five and a quarter cent to close at 874. In the wheat pits, strength on the day with the July contract adding a penny to close at 486 even, while the September up a penny and a half to close at 491 even. In the livestock markets, the August live cattle Contract finished up on the day 207 higher at 97.20. The October added a dollar 30 to close at 99.87 and a half. In the feeder cattle pits, the August contract added a dollar 45 to close at 133.20. This September up a dollar 40 to close at 134.47 and a half. In the lean hog pits, green continues as the July contract added just seven and a half cents to close at 46.90. The deferred added a dollar 40 to close at 52.50. And routing out our markets with the dairy class three milk futures down on the day after their significant rally yesterday with the June contract losing a penny to close at $21 even. The July down 19 cents to close today to close at a flat 22. Ashton, with that, why don't you tell us who we'll be talking to for today's Tech Tuesday interview? Today, we have Jeremy Gretke from U.S. Pioneer on the podcast today to talk to us about an update in the Pioneer app. Today on the podcast, we have Jeremy Gretke, U.S. Pioneer Digital Ag Lead, to talk to us about the Threat IED update and the Pioneer Seed application. Now, Jeremy, you've been on the podcast before, though it's been a couple of months. I would assume you talked to Mike and Delaney, and now you're talking to me. But why don't you just give us a 10,000-foot glance at what the Pioneer Seed app does? Yeah, Ashton, it's great to be back here on the podcast. Um, Welcome, everybody. 
So Pioneer Seeds, what does it do? Uh, really, it's the one-stop shop for those Pioneer customers out there. Um, really, anybody can use it. Go to the Apple Store, Google Play Store, download it. Uh, we've got some limited features for those users out there uh, that can take advantage of that, that maybe are not a Pioneer customer today. Uh, but those that are Pioneer customers, whether they're partial or loyal, uh, as soon as they link their business partner ID uh, located on any of their invoices, um, that really unlocks the full capabilities of Pioneer Seeds. And that gets into looking at satellite imagery, farm and fields, product-specific content like seeding rates, uh, bag tags, and then ultimately now the newest feature, Threat ID, uh, as we bring that out today. So Threat ID is the newest update. So that's already on the application, correct? Correct. Uh, we just released Threat ID here. Um, I think technically it went out on the App Store Friday, uh, late Friday uh, last week here and uh, is out and running this week. Awesome. So we have a, a fresh perspective, I guess, on the podcast today. We're like on top of it. So that's really exciting. So why don't you tell us more about Threat ID and what that new update means for the Pioneer app? Yes. And I think, you know, if anything, what the smartphone revolution here has done to us, it's proven we are all able to take pictures uh, with the camera and that nature. And, and the reality is, you know, even when I was an agronomist uh, many moons ago now, um, we all thought with our eyes. And that's really what the camera does as well. And as we think about this mach machine vision technology, now what we've done is being able to take a picture of any disease or any pest uh, out there in agriculture being able to quickly diagnose what it is. Um, so really giving that confidence of knowing when I take a picture and I'm looking at this lesion on a leaf, is this gray leaf spot or not? Okay, hey, quickly snap it, get the results, gray leaf spot, and I can immediately move into decision-making mode uh, as, a, as a grower. So where, where did the idea of Thread ID come from? Were you guys seeing a heavy need to have, I guess, a quick reaction time or something like that for producers? And that's where you saw that you needed uh, the Threat ID update? Yeah, you know, this thing really came to, came to life. And as we've worked with growers, our agronomist, even our disease diagnostic lab that we have within our Pioneer organization, um, the number one question we always see across, you know, SMS channels is, what is this thing I'm looking at, right? Our growers are hitting up our sales reps, our agronomists, asking, like, what is this for sure? It's like that validation of opinion um, of what's going on. And that was really kind of where we went. We're like, hey, we can do this a lot faster and simple. Um, everybody sees with their eyes. We'll use the camera to do the same thing. Uh, we worked with a partner called Plantix to really help us develop this and bring it to life. Um, again, works on 30-some crops and 400 different pest combinations, nutrient deficiencies. I seen a guy post the other day on uh, magnesium deficiency. So it's not just, you know, diseases that we're helping customers with. Very interesting stuff. Now, I've, I've said on the podcast before that I'm a livestock person, so I am learning all sorts of new things with crop production and all that good stuff. So it sounds very interesting, and it sounds like producers really needed something like this. So with, with producers being in the field and all that good stuff, what is the reaction time like for this app? Yeah, so it's really... it's a. Uh as close as instantaneous as we get anymore in this day and age, right? Uh, as soon as you snap that photo, um, the algorithm processes and gives you results uh, immediately on that. And so 
Uh, maybe you might be in a situation where you don't have any internet connection. Uh, we can uh, take those pictures infield, and then when you get to internet, you know, pull them on the camera roll and submit them, uh, and have those real time results right away. And so, really being able to work with the growers where they're at, helping them make those decisions. Um, as we all know, time is the most precious asset, and so the faster we can move from unknown to known allows us to make decisions much faster. Absolutely. And, you know, with making those decisions, you, you got to be accurate to an extent, obviously. And so what is the accuracy like for when a producer gets back his disease or whatever threat it may be on his crop? Yeah, the accuracy really comes down to some of the diseases that maybe you're taking a picture of. Um, there are what we call lookalikes, disease lookalikes, genetic fleck. And so you can have things like that that go on that doesn't matter. Even the human can't, human eye experts can't differentiate or differentiate between the two. And so that's where in those situations, we'd still encourage lab diagnostics uh, when you maybe are looking at a, a genetic fleck uh, versus something of an, an eye spot, because even the human eye and a trained uh, agronomist have very hard times differentiating those type of, uh, of nuances. So like you've said, you snap a picture, send in the picture to see what threat there might be on your crop, and then you get your results back. So why don't you take us through what the application platform looks like and how you actually submit that information? Yeah, Ashton, really the the way it looks like uh, in a sense is it's um, take a picture and get a result, right? Uh, What you do from that is I think the key piece that we've really enabled within the Pioneer Seeds. And you can quickly hit the share button uh, from that to immediately initiate that communication. And so that communication could be our agronomist looking at a Pioneer customer's field and sending that, hey, we've got northern corn leaf blight going on uh, in the South 80. Uh, we may want to take a look at spraying this you know, next week. Uh, it could be a grower taking a picture and confirming he has gray leaf spot and sending that off to maybe his brother that does the spraying and saying, hey, make sure we put this field uh, on the to-do list to spray next week. I think identification is only the first step. It's what we do with that that really brings huge value in enabling that as we move forward. Awesome. And, you know, I saw, I, I, the reason that I knew about this update with Pioneers, I, I read an article and in the article it stated that you can do a follow-up with your agronomist at Pioneer. And so does the app automatically set you up with a local representative or is it just with your own representative from Pioneer or how does that work? Right. And that's the power of the Pioneer Network, right? Uh, over 2,000 agencies across the Midwest, 170-some agronomists across the Midwest. And so we generally have somebody in your backyard that can help you with maybe some local environmental conditions that are going on, right? Maybe it's aphids moving in out of the tree line. Uh, they haven't quite hit threshold yet. Do we see the environment being more conducive for them to you know, get worse or get less? Um, and that's where that consultation, either with your agency, your sales agency, or your agronomist, really brings forward, I think, that next level capabilities. Uh, and so within the app, that's where we get into that sharing capability uh, and having that two-way conversation between our producers and our agronomists and sales agencies. 
Well, awesome, Jeremy. It's been a delight to hear about this. I love our Tech Tuesday interviews. It's always really encouraging to hear about technology being used in the agriculture industry. But I just have one more question before I let you go. For our listeners, how can they keep up with the Pioneer app and um, what are some social medias that they can follow you guys on? Yep. Social media channels, uh, at Pioneer Seeds on Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, as well as Facebook or some of the primary channels on the social side we communicate. Um, Obviously, myself, follow myself. I keep you update too. We usually post quite a bit. Uh, But those would be our primary channels uh, that we really help uh, communicate out not only Pioneer Seeds on the mobile experience, but a lot of the features and products that are, are coming from the Pioneer product line on. Well, awesome, Jeremy. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yep. Uh, We'll keep bringing innovation and uh, we'll be back on the podcast again. Well, it was an absolute joy to have Jeremy on the podcast today. I've said it time and time again, but I'm enjoying learning more about the crop industry and what all that entails. So I will definitely be following up with the U.S. Pioneer application in the future to see what else it holds. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for grabbing that interview for us today, Ashton. You did a great job. And uh, we interview other great folks like that all the time on the podcast. So be sure to check any of them out at agnewsdaily.com. Or you can check out our social media at agnewsdaily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. With that, Ashton, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.